Hello, everyone listening. It is great to have you back for another episode of the Ramos Law Difference Makers podcast, where I, Dr. Jim Hoven, your host, get a chance to meet with amazing people doing amazing things. And today is an absolute joy for me because I get to spend time with someone who is an expert. A virtuoso is a word I like to use for people like my guests today who have mastered their craft to the point where they are changing people's lives. And in this case, without using a word. Today, my guest is Mr. Javi Gutierrez. He is what I call, and I saw this, Javi, I saw this online, so I love this, so you're gonna have to explain it to me. The king of rock flamenco. <laughs> well, so, I, I used that title for a little while. I, I just, I, it was too much to carry, I guess, to be the king <laughs> of anything. Oh, that's funny. Well, welcome yeah. to the show. Thank you Thank so you. much for spending time and joining us, and I'm so excited to hear about your journey and let you share with the audience, people listening and watching all over, what you do and how you do it. So I can't thank you enough for coming. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me and getting the opportunity to share my story and what I do. Yeah, so let's start out with what you do. You are a guitar player extraordinaire. I've heard a lot of your stuff and not in depth, but I went through, a, uh, you were recommended by Gabe, who's our everything and digital for videographer and music and all that stuff. And he said, you got to have this guy on. So I started listening and learning. I'm like, we got to have this guy on. So tell us a little bit about what you do is as your artistry, your passion, your profession. What do I do? <laughs> well, um, I dedicated, uh, I have dedicated my life to express my story, my emotions and, and, support others with my music that's the newest uh, since COVID, i feel like i step into uh be of service to others when before it was kind of all solely for myself and now i feel like and i've realized that how much my music has helped others to relate to my story but also to forget about their problems and to maybe channel their own emotions through my music uh, but yeah, so what I do is like I compose, I produce other people, I perform, I uh, dream. Dream. <laughs> yeah. Were you always a dreamer and a lover of music, Javi, or, or is that something that you gained early in your life? Or how, how did that all develop for you? Uh, yeah, I think I've always been a dreamer. And even when I look back being a, a kid, I've always in like in my head, like creating scenarios and imagining lots of things. and and. In a sense, that's how I have crafted my guitar playing was to like dream like who I want to be like as a guitar player, because we tend to start imitating others. But then you start dreaming like, who, who can I be? Mm. Uh, who did you dream about when and how old were you when you started having these dreams? Um, I started when I was 12 years old and my first model was metal bands, like bands like Metallica was my first influence. <laughs> And obviously, I completely shifted from that dream. Uh, and yeah, the, the more you, I guess, find influences, the more you start finding your own way with it. You know, you, you fiddle with the influence of some of an artist and you're like, oh, I like what they, how they do this. And then you incorporate it into your playing. Then I grab another artist, oh, I like how they do this and I incorporate it. And that's kind of like I Frankenstein who I am now. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Did you take lessons or how did you learn to play the guitar originally? Yeah, I always had teachers since I started playing. And in fact, that's how I started playing because I was too lazy to do sports. <laughs> and my parents asked me to do something after school. And, and in middle school, they were offering guitar lessons. So I was like, well, that's very low impact. Let me try that. 
and I fell in love. And that's I started with classical guitar, then I, sh I shift to more rock guitar kind of thing. Then I started some jazz with another teacher. Then I went to a music school in Mexico City. Then I moved to California, to Los Angeles, and I studied in Musicians Institute. And then I went to Spain to study flamenco guitar. And I'm always, you know, nowadays YouTube is a great place to learn new things too. And so now YouTube can be a teacher sometimes. I bet you're a teacher on YouTube also, aren't you? I am uh, some on YouTube and in person as well. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've been teaching since I was 17. Are you, you kidding? Yeah. Wow. You know, here's a funny story. I was the opposite. I grew up playing sports, specifically football and tennis were my two sports. And so I never thought about music. It's not that I was anti-music, but sports took up my time. Mm -hmm. And as I got older and went into chiropractic school for my training, I would dream of someday having a family and playing guitar kind of around the fire. And I, my friends used to give me crap about it because I would tell them about it and they're like, and I'm in my 20s, early 20s, 22. And right. they're drawing pictures of me like playing guitar, like a knucklehead, right? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm serious. And so fast forward many, many years, my son, our youngest, we signed him up for guitar with a, a teacher who specialized in, in kids. And so she was teaching him. And when he got through, he took for a few years and then he got to high school and we got to high school, he wanted to play lacrosse. Well, it turns out lacrosse, the, the season was in line with when his lessons were on his time. He couldn't switch the lessons around. So I told him, hey, I'm gonna take your lessons for you during the lacrosse season so you don't lose your place here because she had a big waiting list of people that wanted to train with her. Uh -huh. I never gave up the lessons. So I started do, taking his weekly lessons and what I found out that I appreciate so much, first lesson was humility. And that was in mm. this, you know, you know, I was already, uh, chiropractor doing my thing, having very, you know, what I would consider pretty successful life, things are good. And when I walk in for my first lesson, up from down in the basement comes a five-year-old. Mm -hmm. And then I go down for my lesson. And when I come up from the basement, down goes a 10-year-old. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I put myself back in the, the places with seat. those. And it yeah. was so humbling. And here's the second thing I realized. I've always been used to picking things up quickly. and. I started out like a house of fire, but I could never transition as a musician to not thinking. Mm -hmm. So now when I see someone like you play and you're feeling the music and it's going through and I'm, and I'm amazed by it. Cause I always had to, my hands were here and I'm like, where do they go next? Mm -hmm. And so I was playing, but not playing, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah. I appreciate what you guys are doing. And I tried that at 45. And it was rough for me. So yeah, what you no, do is and, and it takes somebody to that maybe has experience playing the guitar to understand what I do. Yes, because some people take it for granted. You know, it's just like oh, you just play. You know, they just see the final product, <laughs> good. But somebody that plays, people come to me like, dude, like you probably put a lot of work to play the way you do. Yes, and the ten thousand hour rule, as yeah, they say, yeah. right? Yeah, until this amazing. day, you know, I still have to practice a lot. Like it just never ends. And do you practice as much for the performance or do you practice for the passion or is it is a mixture as an expression of yourself and your art? Yeah, well, I practice for various reasons. One is like, yeah, the performance, like when I have a set list and I've got to practice the songs just to make sure they're like on point. But then I also practice technique and, and to expand the like what I can do on, on the guitar. 
And that takes a lot of work. That's actually where I spend the most of my time on technique exercises, just to make sure my fingers aren't in shape. Yes, and it is a big deal. For those of you that play guitar, you know this, unless you're so just doing your own thing that you're just natural. But for me, as I was learning, my fingers wouldn't stretch mm-hmm. the way that I wanted them to. And then they were sore at the beginning from, yeah, from hitting the strings. Yeah, it's, because it's, it's actually not a natural position. Because <laughs> also your shoulders, you know, yes, you gotta your watch neck. your posture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your neck. Some students tend to like, hunch down and that's awful for your spine and your neck yes there's many things that you gotta keep an eye on yes and you obviously have figured that out when you were learning was there anything in your did you have a breakthrough moment where you were working and working and it seemed to be at one level and then all of a sudden something clicked and takes to the next level because i think everyone watching or listening can relate to that in some way in their own life. I know in my life, there's been times where I've just been working at it and grinding, it just seems so hard. And then one thing triggers Mm -hmm. and now it's flow. Did you notice that in your music too? Yes, to me actually what really was kind of like like the next stage in my life was through teaching. I started teaching this little kid. He was seven years old back then and he was the first student that when I asked him why was he playing or wanted to learn how to play the guitar, he said, because I want to write my own music. So before that, like I, I was a guitar player, but I was not a composer. And because I, I don't know, I, was, I wasn't able to connect on how to express and all this. So there's this seven years old kid as I guiding him on how to write music, which I didn't even write music back then. <laughs> he was teaching me how to simplify things because he was like writing music with two chords. And then I was like, wow, why am I complicating myself to do this? If it's so simple, if a seven year old like is just able to channel his emotions with two chords and I'm trying to use hundreds of notes, maybe I can simplify it. So I started like experimenting, just simplifying all the things that I knew instead of trying to use it all in one song start with a couple notes and that was to me was like my oh moment that's like oh it's just gotta go back to the basics because sometimes like i think that happens to a lot of us especially when you go to schooling and all this you have so much information and at first you want to use it all and then you realize like wow like it's just back to the roots we're just like raw and yes the beginning oh so good you know i I have trained a lot of chiropractors over the years in different things. And one thing that I learned that is exactly what you said, what I found out about the doctors that perform chiropractic medicine, virtually every single one of them will treat their patients with two things. Number one, the very first techniques they learned. Mm -hmm. And number two, the very last or most recent techniques. Everything in between, they forget. Mm -hmm. So it's what is their mind on now and what did they start with? And everything in between, they kind of, lose and what i hear you say is go back to the fundamentals mm-hmm. in whatever you're doing but especially this music that you use that to grow and start your your composing journey yeah so yeah. now as a as a composer do you have a preference if you're it, when you're really in flow do you notice more connection to that source of the thing um if you're writing and composing versus uh, producing someone else's stuff or or actually being the showman up on stage sharing your gift yeah absolutely they all have like a different uh like you have to channel a completely different persona because yeah when you're on stage and you have to entertain people i don't know you have to 
you cannot forget about them, right? Like you're still on on stage, but when you're composing, you're like a, you're alone. Yeah. So you almost, yeah. Like I feel like I'm not myself. Like I feel like I'm totally just a channel of a message or something. Like yes. a divine. I see it as a divine messenger, and so I'm not really thinking I'm gonna be doing this. I'm gonna. It's just like the song just comes on its own, and I just have to allow. And that's where I feel my practice, I have to be so diligent with my practice so I can have the ease to allow that message to just channel through me. That's that beautiful, yeah. Uh, and to me, that rings of the term inspired. Like, And here's what I'll, I'll tell people a lot. Like, if you do the inspired action that you feel today, it's going to lead to the natural next step that you should take. Mm -hmm, Instead of trying mm -hmm. to figure everything out from soup to nuts all the way back down, just do what you're inspired to do right now mm -hmm. with the big goal in mind of creating something beautiful in your case and moving. You do this and that shows itself and then that shows itself. Is that how it flows to you? Yeah, like in fact, even when I force myself to compose, I can't. <laughs> like if I sit down, I'm like, I'm gonna write a song now. It's like, it doesn't work. <laughs> it just comes naturally in like in the most random scenario sometimes. Like, like you know, when it really comes to me is when I'm traveling. I guess when I'm outside of my like routine is when the new things flow in better. That's so gorgeous. When I'm just in my routine, I just uh, I feel like blocked a little. Yeah, that would make sense, right? Because your spirit is free doing your thing, mm -hmm, whatever mm -hmm. that might be. Have you found that you really focus on um, is, is there something that will inspire a song of melody and sound versus words and concepts like how do you how do you go about building something because i know at the end of the day or maybe here, this might be a better way to frame the question you have a trilogy called the gypsy's journey mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and it's three albums essentially yeah. that take the listener through your interpretation of this journey is it that you had the inspiration of i want to talk about the gypsy's journey or did the music play itself into your head and heart? And then you go, that's a gypsy's journey. Like how, how does that flow and unfold? Well, in particular with that project, with the gypsy journey, it's being about like my life experiences. Uh, so the first album in particular was about like taking that leap of faith to, to believe in what I was doing and traveling and sharing what I do to the world. So a lot of the songs are based on on how I was feeling doing that. So there's a song Trip, for example, that I, I traveled through Europe and I went to Mexico and Canada. It was So that song in particular, I would sit down in the different locations that I was in and I started like crafting the song. So I will like channel the experiences that I was living at the time that will be like being alone on the road, like carrying my guitar everywhere, being tired, like meeting new people and having all these beautiful experiences and again, being alone. Like, so it was this dichotomy of, of meeting a bunch of people and alone. So that song in particular, that was, it was filled with those images and the gypsy, uh, in the second part of the gypsy journey was more about people and places because I was like homesick and missing my daughter and all these things. So like I wrote a, a song for Olivia and then I landed in Colorado. So I wrote a song about Colorado being here as my new home. So I just use 
elements of my life to fuel my songs. In, in, in the particular of Gypsy Journey, uh, I've been in other projects uh, or written songs that are based on someone else. Like I, I, I try to envision what their life would be like and and I don't know, just Im imagine things. Yeah, I, I just use images. That's kind of the best way I can describe it. I try to channel images of stories and put it into notes. Man, it's that, kind of abstract. It's really. so abstract. And what's what's crazy to me is it, what you're sharing with us, everyone watching and listening, is a language. It's the language of music. So I happen to communicate a lot in the written and the verbal language in, in what I do every day there, it requires a lot of communication, but I couldn't even think to create the language of music. It's just not, it's not what I am wired to yeah. do. And so the fact that you see those words coming out in notes is just bizarrely cool to me. Like even amazing. to me, like, and you know, what's bizarre is like, I still fear that I cannot do it. <laughs> Like, it's like when I finish an album or a song or an EP or whatever, then I'm like, what if that was the last thing I can ever create? And I think a lot of artists, we suffer from that. I've heard you that. You just like, what's next? Like, I don't know if I yes. can do this again. Yes, <laughs> yes. I've heard, and I can't remember, I like to watch a lot of those rockumentaries on different bands, right? Everything from Queen to, you know, Kansas and whatever, all these Leonard Skinner. And I've heard that before, that they wonder, is this one that was so good. I think Aerosmith had one or someone was like, mm -hmm. that. like man, is this, is this as good as it gets? Mm -hmm. And I can imagine that that's gotta be very scary for an artist to wonder if the, that wellspring of inspiration is gonna be there. Yeah, every day. Every you day. Know, yeah. Mm. yeah, I face that every day. I'm like, what, can I keep doing this? Yeah, and you intentionally choose not to have words like you're not composing music to have words eventually, mm -hmm. right? You want the music to be the message. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It's always a, a challenge, right? Because most people want to, they're used to vocals. They're used to sing along to a, a melody or whatnot. And to me, since I was a, a kid, classical music in particular, every time I listen to it, it just sometimes makes me almost want to cry. Yes. Or euphoric or just peaceful. And that to me is fascinating, like the effects that music has over us mm -hmm. without like words. So I d just dedicated my life to do that. And you, as you were exploring the, the rock genre, starting out with the Metallica and moving through all of that stuff, all that's built into the soul of what you do now. Have you noticed that you separate as a consumer of music, as a as a person who's taking it in, do you listen to different kinds of music on different moods? Like if you feel one way, man, I, I want some aggressive type music for this. And I want, man, I just want to chill out. So I'm going to listen to that kind of music. Is that how you take it into? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, when you look at my like playlist that I create on Spotify, they're all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> that when people come to my house and I put a playlist, like, dude, like you went from like a mariachi song to Pantera to <laughs> like a classical piece to jazz. So yeah, it's just... Because I love how music makes me feel. Yes. That's my favorite part of, of being a musician and being a listener too. That's why I started playing because I, I was like, I, I want to be able to do that to people and like make them go on a journey. Yes. Like I feel like listening to music is going on a journey. When I was watching your 
your um it was that sessions the denver sessions the love sessions the love, yeah. yes the loft sessions i was taken by and I, I made a note of it i was watching it with an open notebook and i was i took a note of it that you played with your entire upper body when you were sitting and you had mentioned earlier the posture and how that can affect it and i and i was struck by i'm a chiropractor for god's sakes but i was always in pain because i was so focused on having to see everything because i wasn't connected to my heart it was connected through my head to my fingers mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. and so watching you and, and you have your percussionist next to you and you guys are doing your thing and you got into the music and once you were in i could tell that you knew there was an audience there but you were feeling it from the expression on your face to the way your shoulders were moving. It was coming through even while you were sitting. So obviously you were still from the waist down, mm -hmm. but you felt it. And to me, that was, that's what's really amazing. When I hear someone singing that you would know, obviously from some of the harder stuff that you've done, um, like Sammy Hagar, Freddie Mercury, um, Steven Tyler, all these guys, they sing it. That's how I see you play it. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that when you're doing it, or is yeah, it, you're yeah. not even conscious to it? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not necessarily conscious, but yes, like I, I, I taken over by the music, and <laughs> I just become like I, I feel like I, I'm not in the room once I start the song and in a performance, every song, and then when this, the piece is over, and then people are clapping, I'm like, whoa, I'm, I'm here. I forgot that I'm here, kind of scenario, and it took many years to get to that point. Like, because before it's very cerebral, like you say, like you're like so focused on, on like, where's my fingers? Like, uh, uh, am I doing this right? Like you're, yes. you're so concerned about all these things. And it took me many years to find that freedom to just like feel it and, and just go in this ecstasy mode. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I feel like it's my meditation. And now that I practice meditation for the past five years, I meditate daily. And I have, I realized that through the guitar, I've been meditating for 30 years mm. because you have to be so in it and like to channel all these things is truly a meditation. I agree. And, you know, interestingly enough, I've tinkered around with meditation. I'm a big fan and I'd love to delve into your process on meditation and go through it because I think the more people that can understand what meditation is meant to do, it's an individual journey, right? It's mm -hmm. not... Uh, some people might call it a spiritual thing, but it's not a religious thing. Like people mm -hmm. of any religious belief can benefit from meditating because it's really akin to prayer. Yes. And what I found was my mind was really, I had a hard time keeping it still. And so I went from guided meditations to now I do Qigong, which is a moving kind yeah. of thing, like similar to a Tai Chi, but less movement even. And then I have music on uh, a Tai Chi Pandora station and that, music allows me to go to a different place than silence or that with talking voices mm -hmm. guided meditation and i feel it i feel it so i'd like to hear your thoughts about meditation in general how you do it what you get from it your practice yeah well it's very similar than yours so i also practice tai, well, tai chi and qigong both uh, i also do a lot of breath work I find it that that's been the biggest uh, support and tool to make my meditation stronger uh when you oxygenate your system you allow like especially your mind to to kind of relax a lot more and but uh, moving meditation like qigong also is so effective it's just it's been life-changing for me and and then to have sitting meditation that's probably what the thing that most of us struggle 
because you're not doing anything. In moving meditation, at least you're distracted <laughs> with what your body is doing. Absolutely. And, and it, it just takes so much grace to like, allow the thoughts to happen because I don't think we can ever silence the mind. It becomes more of like an acceptance that the mind is going to keep doing its thing, but we don't have to identify with what it's doing. So I feel like that's the biggest lesson that I've learned from meditation to to be a witness of what the mind is doing, but not attach myself to that. Like clouds going by is how I've heard it described. Yeah. If you can see like your thought is a cloud, just let it pass. Yeah. It's okay that it's there. You don't have to push it away. Just allow it to go. Yeah. And, and again, every time I'm on stage performing, if I attach myself to a thought, I'm going to mess up the guitar, like my part. Wow. So I've always been like ignoring my thoughts when I'm playing, when I'm performing, I just play because if I, if I start worrying and if I start thinking my bills or like, blah, 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 I'm not going to be able to perform. Yes. Do you enjoy performing in front of intimate small groups more or less than larger groups? Let's say you got invited to play at Red Rocks, for example. Is that a bigger deal than a small cafe or an intimate setting where someone hires you just to come to their home for a special evening where do you get the most juice uh i would say i get it doesn't matter the size but what's important is the presence of the audience you know if like they're actually giving you their their pr attention and their energy like we're, we're both in the room that to me is my favorite. It doesn't matter the size because sometimes you can be in an intimate setting, but then people are on their phones and they don't care. But then you have a big audience and they're all in it and then like cheering you, you know, there's just all this energy. So t I've gotten this question a lot. Like, what's your favorite venue? What's your favorite type of show? Um, and I, my answer is always people that are paying attention to what I'm doing, that we're connected. That's yes. my favorite. Oh, man. Do you get requests like that from a lot of people to come play at different events? One of our neighbors, we live up in the mountains up by Conifer, and one of our neighbors recently had a, a folk music group from California come out. And so they had it in the field, and it was at nighttime, and they put lights up, you know, mm -hmm. temporary lights. And it was a really great thing. Is that something that you do a lot of? Is those yeah, kind the house of concerts? Intimate, kind yeah, of, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, during COVID, that was the beginning of things getting back in business was house concerts and i love them because mm. there's just this sense of intimacy with yeah. with the host with the people that are there and then you get to hang out with them too because it's very personal yeah and i love it that's so cool yeah was covid good or bad for you, you mentioned covid that it was the start of when you and i were talking earlier that it kind of changed how you were you were a gypsy of the world and it kind of kept you home a little bit mm -hmm. um, what lessons did you learn from COVID and what did it do for you as a musician if anything yeah it, I, to me it was great I, I loved the break it, like it allowed me to kind of step back for a second and be like what's next what do I how because I feel like I was already on in a, like like a wheel that was nonstop and I was already doing the same thing all the time and blah, blah, blah. and it allowed me to like step back and be like, how do I really want my life and my career to look like after this? And and it also allowed me to get more into social media. Mm -hmm. Like I think 
most of us got into that, like how maintain my business through social media. I was doing live streams and all this, but what I was like sharing with you, it gave me the perspective of that I was contributing to others something beautiful. Because when I was doing my live streams, I was just doing it to keep myself active. But then I started getting emails, messages, calls of fans that were watching my live streams, thanking me so much to be a light in their lives because we were all stuck in our houses, apartments, wherever, not being able to enjoy anything outside of, of those four walls. And I was bringing joy and, and inspiration and and I would share my stories and that would like allow them to like share their stories to me. Like they, I would get lengthy emails with their stories too. And it was just so beautiful to feel the connection with, with my fans. Yes. Did you create any new music? Did COVID inspire you to have a different feeling about anything? I know that I've heard a, a couple of country songs that refer directly to COVID-based stuff, like I can't wait to be with my band again, and I can't wait till this and that and the other thing. Was there any of that with you, or was it more staying connected with your current stuff with the fans that you have? Um, a little bit of both. If more than like, I think what I got the most inspiration was to see like that I, not only COVID, but like what the past two years have been like very crazy in general. Like there's been a lot of politics and all these things. What really inspired me was to see how separated we are. Yes. And how hateful people can be with somebody that has a different opinion. So that to me, like my some of my new songs are filled with that in mind, that we're not that different, you know? And we cons as long as, as soon as somebody has a different opinion, we see them as they're different, but it's not, you know? And like, so that to me was a, a big eye opening uh, and and, almost sad like it made me sad to to see how easily shaken we are as a community and how easily we separate each other and and how lonely we we can be mm. so if you were now expressing what you just shared with all of us in words so beautifully would that come out would those would those emotions feelings and thoughts come out in something i would hear as that sounds a little bit sad or it sounds angry because people are angry with each other what what would the music sound like from those thoughts and feelings yeah there's one song that is very like uh like there's this uh, i guess aggression but then i also have a song that is softer and i it's, i haven't released it yet but the title is closer to you and it's the images that i get be behind it is just of acceptance that somebody else might have a different opinion yet we can love each other still do you tell uh, these stories when you're performing yes. on where the song came from because what an inspirational message right like you can take us through a journey of your thoughts and your feelings where the song came from and bring us together mm -hmm. by the story with the music yeah like, that, that's, that's so my, cool that's the way my life shows are I, i'm a storyteller yeah so i, I tell the tale of how the song came to be and then i play it and it's so effective and people what's beautiful is once i share the story people relate it to their own story that is might be similar and then they my the song becomes a soundtrack in their minds 
Yes. Cool. Oh, that and that's how exactly I feel in my in my qigong meditations. There are a couple songs that just show up. They just, because it's Pandora or whatever, but on that station they show up and every time it gives me a certain feeling. Like mm -hmm. it's neurologically now linked into my system. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. powerful. It is. It is. Do do you have any um mentors and maybe they were mentors in the past for you that were inspirational in you becoming the guitarist that you are any special like eddie van halen kind of thing or were there specific guitar players that you really emulated i have so many so many yeah 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 like one to me the number one is jimmy page jimmy from page. led zeppelin mm -hmm. like the way as a band in general but also his guitar work he fiddled with so many music styles so a lot of other artists and a lot of other bands, you hear their like catalog and a lot of the songs sound the same. Right. But when you hear Led Zeppelin catalog, it's like they go from folk to heavy rock to blues to jazz to like Middle Eastern music. And that was very inspirational to me to like see that they dare to experiment. So that's kind of like my main inspiration. To, oh, that's beautiful. To experiment. I, and, I, and that's how I work. I, I take influences from different music styles and try to incorporate it on my, on my music. Like the song Colorado in particular, I was like, how can I interpret bluegrass? So I created my little bluegrass interpretation in that song. Wow. Tell me about the song Olivia, which was my favorite, by the way, not knowing till you and I met before the show that that was about your daughter. What, what was that? Because there's something pure to it. Without me even knowing that, I'm like, man, this is, uh, the two words that came to my mind were authentic and pure. Mm -hmm. As I listened to that, how did you come up with that? Was it her her little smile and her hair and the way she runs around the yard? Or what was it that brought that emotion out in that song? Well, curiously with that song, it's, it's been evolving throughout the years. Like the, the version on the Gypsy Journey part two, is kind of like the newest one, but I released it back in 2009 as a shorter version. It was like a two minute song because I didn't know her that much. <laughs> <laughs> She's a baby. Yeah, yeah. So I could only tell this much, you know, and, and, and now that she's a teenager, it's a 13 year old song also. Now it's an eight minute piece. Wow, like Freebird. Yeah, yeah, or like, yeah, seven minutes, I don't know. <laughs> and and I keep wanting to add more to it because what I do with that song is I, I just go into my story with her, which was from uh, you're a parent, like just knowing that you're going to be a dad to begin. Like that's so abstract. You still don't know. It's not outside of the womb yet. Yeah. And then they're a baby and they're a toddler. And it's just it's such a beautiful like, love story to me. Oh, it is. Does she appreciate it now as a teenager? Does she understand what that means? She thinks she's, as a teenager, obviously, <laughs> she says she's too happy. It's like, it's too happy of a song. I'm like, because you make me happy, you know? So that she's <laughs> in her melancholic years right now. And For sure. Yeah. Does she play too? Yeah. She does? Yeah, yeah she plays the guitar. Did you teach her? Uh, yeah, probably more uh, like... Not direct. I teach her now directly, but she picked it up on her own. And I remember seeing her holding the guitar and she looked like a natural already. Just imagine growing up with me. So she yes. just knows. Yes. And oh. has an incredible ear. She's, she's innate guitar player. You passed on the DNA. Yeah. 
And do you like teaching? Is that one of the favorite parts for you, teaching others to play guitar as opposed to all the other things we've talked about? Yeah, I love teaching. You know, it's just challenging because uh, sometimes you also have to keep, be an encourager like, because it's one thing to teach, but also to convince him to practice and all these things that can be a little exhausting. Mm-hmm. As you might know, even like a chiropractor, like you can adjust somebody, but you have to tell them like, you got to do this, do this, yes. make sure you're doing You're this. only with me for 10 minutes. Yeah. You got a whole bunch of hours in the day to mess it up. Yeah. So that can be <laughs> challenging, you know, when they show up to the next lesson and you're like, dude, you didn't put any work, you yes. know, like we got to review what we did last week or yes. whatnot. Yes. Okay. So if you were to, if you could only do one thing, one thing in your music, you could play and perform, you could write or produce or teach, which one would you choose and why? Uh, perform. Perform. Yeah, it's like the one I had the most fun. Yeah. Like just be on stage. I feel like a kid. You know, it gives me this... Because producing can be so serious and it's like, ah, you know, you want to be perfect. And so I, I enjoy it, but I don't have as much fun as compared to when I'm on stage. Mm-hmm. And then whatever... And even what surrounds it all, you know, you then your people adore you, you know, you, you get out of stage and... People come to you and you get to meet people. That's yes. just amazing. And they're so grateful and yeah. thankful and you made their night and that, yeah. that then you got that halo over, that carries over into the next day or even a week for them or whatever yeah, it might yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, It's just beautiful. Oh, it is beautiful. And the cool thing about you, and I noticed as I was reading through some of your stuff, one of the reasons that you love the music only part is because no matter what country you go to, mm-hmm. you, there's no translation of the message. The message is interpreted based on the person's ear and life experience, but you don't have to say, what did they say? Because there's no words, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and also because I feel with so many music styles, I think culturally it's adaptable to different places of the planet too. Do you do that? Do you adapt? Like if you're gonna go play a song, song, let's call it song of freedom. If you take freedom song into uh, Spain versus to Egypt, would it sound different? Would you use some of those cultural things that you might know about this culture that does something different? Or would it just be the same song just played in the way that you always uh, play it? I do change them and I do tend to like, whenever I'm in a new location, I try to channel the vibe of the place and, and incorporate it in the performance in a sense. Mm-hmm. So they do change according to where I'm at. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. See, and again, that just goes to your expertise that you can do that. Mm-hmm. It's not a rote memory thing that you, it's neurologically cued into you. You're you're an artist doing your artist thing. Yeah, well, I think to be an artist, you have to be adaptable. Yes. Like that's the, the, the rule of the game, I think. And even when COVID happened, it was like, okay, now what are we going to do? Like, I think as an artist... And I saw it with all my artist friends. We were like, we were like, well, welcome to our lives. Like, this is the life of an artist. Things collapse all of a sudden. Like, shows get canceled. Like, if the Super Bowl is on, people are not going to go to the show. Mm-hmm. And now, finally, everybody's going through cancellations. Yes. <laughs> it was like the first time that the whole world got to see the life of an artist, I felt. Wow. Have you been involved? I know you talked about social media. I briefly dipped my toe into the knowledge world of NFTs Mm. and that's supposed to be the biggest thing for artists. Yeah. I still don't understand it. Yeah. It, it, NFTs, so they're non-fungible tokens and basically you can put your work out there and you can sell it as an individual piece 
and then you can create social contracts around that. So for example, you sell a song, there's no middleman between you and me buying your song. Mm -hmm. So you get the money from that. Now I own your song. Mm -hmm. And if I sell it, you can set it up to still get a cut off my song that I sold of your original to someone. And not only that, you could say, hey, Jim, if you have, if you buy my song, that entitles you to a 50% discount off my next show or something, right? Like you can sure. make a club around it. So I don't know a lot more depth than that, but I know that a lot of artists, whether they're musical or painters or whatever. Yeah, that's that where I think is working the most, no? Yeah. For graphic designers or yes. like, art, uh, how you call these artists? Yeah, of, painters. Yeah. And, yeah. As a musician, I still haven't heard too much of a success. Yeah, so so if you want to, there's a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. They call him Gary V. And he's all about everything digital and social. And he dove headfirst into NFTs. And he actually created one. But he has some stuff on his podcast you could look up or probably on his website that talk about artists, uh, mm -hmm. musicians with uh, using NFTs and the internet. So anyway, mm -hmm. it might be something cool to think. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, we we'll gotta keep adap adapting, right? Keep to learning, the new, right? The, growing. Yeah. Have uh, you ever? This, this is. I was blown away because I had never spent much time with an artist that knew how to do the thing with the foot that kind of records the music and then it the plays looper, that the looper, looper, the yeah. looper. And I first saw it on a cruise ship. I was on it. I was mesmerized by it. So then, fast forward a few years, and I was watching a um, a YouTube show called Sugar Shack Sessions, and it's a It's a show, the Sugar Shack Sessions place is someplace in Florida and they will get a lot of reggae bands and the reggae bands will come down there and they play their stuff live, right? To a very small audience of like 10. Mm -hmm. And then they do their best songs and then it, it goes out to wherever it goes. And so there was a guy named Mike Love. Mike Love is a reggae guy with the Rastafari do and all this. And what that guy does on a guitar with his voice, he sings that this crazy range, this crazy heartfelt songs. And he's all about just life through music. But the things he did with that looper blew the doors right off my mind. Yeah. It was crazy. You ever played with any of that kind of technology? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I actually use it a lot. You do? Because like, I, I perform a lot solo too. And that's such a beautiful tool to have. And I try to not super rely on it and i try to do quick loops because I, i've seen some artists that use loops and they take like two minutes to build the song and mm -hmm. to finally kicks in because they're like layering and layering and i don't like doing it like that I, i do like quick loops and then get back to playing yes but yeah i love it and oh. it's like another instrument on its own like you really had to practice it and because i was already using it with a percussionist it made me be more solid Because that's challenging when you play with somebody else. When you're solo and you loop, there's more mar error that yeah. you can play with. But when you're with a percussionist, if you make an error... Everything's out of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's out of whack. So it made my timing better to do with that drummer. Oh, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you um, do for passions outside of music? Because for a lot of us the guitar is a hobby or a stress relief. Like that's why I took it. I originally keep my son's appointment. I just never gave it back. And then I found it to be 
very therapeutic and it was part of my nightly stress reduction routine, you know, as long as I didn't take it too serious. If I took it too serious, like some people take golf, you know, they quit having fun because they want to be so good. Yeah, I just yeah, wanted yeah. to feel, I wanted to feel the fun of making the music and, but that kept me from getting really good too, right? I was in that quagmire. What do you like to do when you're not playing guitar as far as for fun and recreation relaxation? Mm-hmm. And like, that's the one thing that I'm exploring the past few years because I used to be a partier, you know, as a musician that almost comes with the, yes, the, the job description. <laughs> the job description. <laughs> yeah, you got to drink. And so I quit drinking five years ago. And that's been to me like an opportunity to explore in a deeper level who I am or who can I be, I guess. And in particular, hobbies and, and how to have fun in life. And so I've picked up Tai Chi. That's one thing that to me is big. Reading. I love reading books. What like do you novels. like to read? Just, novels? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, like Murakami is one of my favorite authors. Uh, archery. I picked up archery too. And I like walking. Walking is one of my favorite things to do, actually. Me too. Just... Because exercising, you know, I still struggle so much. I try to start running and I see it as a torture. <laughs> like, why am I doing this to myself? Yes. But I can walk for hours. That's what's best for you then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what a beautiful time this has been. You are a beautiful soul. And I can see why you're an artist. You have, a, you have an artist's heart, soul, and mind. And man, it's just been such a treat for me. Um, is there, as kind of a, a final question, is there a piece of advice that you've ever been given or that you've picked up along the way that you feel is absolutely paramount and of paramount importance in how you live your life today and helping you make the most of it? Mm, a piece of advice. You know, one time I went to see a guitar player called Tommy Emmanuel. You don't know if you ever heard of him. No. He's from Australia. Incredible guitar player. He does like Chet Atkins type of... But I met him after his show and and i asked him for advice as an artist and there was one thing that he told me he like it only gets harder like it <laughs> never gets easier you know because the more you climb like in your business the more things you have to deal with yes and that's something that i've been realizing and i always hear his voice telling me it only gets harder i'm like oh my god it does so you just got to get better because it's not going to yeah. get easier that's yeah. the, the takeaway yeah Wow. Yeah, you say you gotta get stronger. Like your discipline has to be on point. You know all these things that you have to cultivate at the beginning. You really have to be conscious of of all these things that you like pile up throughout the years, so you're prepared for the next levels because it only gets harder. Uh, like a video game, right? Like yeah, the first level is the easiest. The time you like finishing the game is the hardest. And I feel like life is kind of like that. You're right. I agree. Thank you for sharing that with me. I, that helps me, right? I want to become more resilient, stronger, and realize that very thing. And I'll tell you what, it, this has been, again, such a treat for me. If people want to listen to your music, check you out, uh, reach out to you to come play a, a gig for them at their home or for their work, how would they get a, a hold of you? Yeah, well, obviously, the number one thing is my website, and it's so easy, eljavi.com. E-L-J-A-V-I.com. And then I have all the links to my social media, and obviously I'm on Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, if you use Pandora. My, I have my YouTube channel, and all my social media is under El Javi Music. All of them. Okay. From so are you on TikTok? 
I am a little bit on TikTok, but I still haven't been able to find the joy on TikTok. <laughs> like well, I know it's huge. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've heard that it's like the savior of the music industry. That's how they are considering TikTok, which is so bizarre because it's like like jingles, like 10 second Well, now experience. you can go up to three minutes though. Yeah. yeah, but who sits to watch three minutes? People yeah. that are engaged and endeared, to, especially if they fall, start following you and love you. Then all of a sudden they're like, no, I want, I want to hear it all the way through because I love him. Yeah, you're right. Right? Like that personal connection that you make with your audience. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I tend awesome. to just be like bitter about like <laughs> some things, but you're right. That's great. Well, Javi, thank you for joining me today, my friend. I yeah, look forward you, to the next time we not only get a meet, but um, hopefully see some of your shows, maybe even bring you in for a show. I think that would all be super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm available. Okay, let's do it. Thank you. All right, my friend. You uh, be well and God bless. God bless you too. Thank, thank you, Jim. You.